We would invite everyone with a Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew in front of you, the seat in front of you. Turn to Deuteronomy 34. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We're looking at the last chapter. You can bring up the, yes, just leave it right there for now. And I don't know what I did with the pointer. Oh, you have it, right? Uh, I'll need that shortly. But right now, let's focus our attention on the 12 verses of Deuteronomy 34. We have two of our fine brothers in Christ that are going to come and read that for us. So we invite you to follow along and pay attention. Who's first? Here. Deuteronomy 34, starting at uh, verse 1. Then Moses... Excuse me. And Naphtali, in the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. And he was buried, and he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his grave to this day. Thirty-four seven. Moses was one hundred and twenty years old when he died. <clears throat> his eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. And for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. But since then there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. In all the signs and wonders which the Lord has sent him, has sent him to do in the land of Egypt before Pharaoh, before all his servants and in all his land, and by all the mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. Thank you, Roland and Eric. Let me see if I can adjust. There's not much to see up here, but this building is configured so oddly that not everybody can see the screen, so I trust that helps a little bit. Yes? Okay, good. All right. We come this morning to a very, very solemn, and I trust, advance that for me, uh, there we go, 
solemn, but I hope not a morbid subject of the death. Go back, go back, right there. The death of Moses, the servant of God. Now, it's probably one of the most unusual, well, it is one of the most unusual deaths, burials, funerals that you'll ever come across. I was thinking about in the Bible, there's a number of ways that that human beings pass from this temporal earthly scene out into the eternal. This is one of them. And lest you should think that we're, we're covering some kind of a morbid subject, like who are you to tell me about somebody's death? Well, first of all, the Spirit of God records for us in the Word of God this event. And I trust by the time we're done, we, we will have uh, gained some valuable lessons in life. In life. And why is that? Because all of us function under some sort of operating system. Operating system is not just whatever you operate or function on, on your computer, whether what program or whatever it is you run, but we all function in life under some specific operating system. And the operating system that believers in the Lord Jesus function under or operate under is that which has to do with eternity. We, we know that we're here just a short while, and then we're going on to somewhere forever and ever and ever and ever. When I was a child... That used to frighten me. And I trust it will have a similar effect on you because when we think about it, we have a never dying soul. And all of us are just passing through strangers and pilgrims. We're just here for a short time. What, 20, 30, 40, 50, 70, 80 years, and then... Our life, like a vapor, appears for a little time and then vanishes away. We're going to learn from the servant of God, not only about his death, but about a lesson or two about life. One more comment. There was once a very wise man. He was the wisest of all men on the earth. His name was Solomon, and he made this comment. Listen to this. It doesn't make sense in our human logic. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. In other words, it's better to go to a funeral than to a party. Why? Because that is the end of all men. And the living will lay it to his heart. So, Think about it. I would venture to say that the vast majority of humanity, and maybe some here in this room, try to avoid this reality. I don't even want to think about death as if that will smooth it all out. That's not so. 
We're going to learn some lessons today why it is better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men. Because the living, the living, the living, the living will lay it to their heart. So let's look at the, just, we'll just make a few points and tonight I think we'll make some more. But I just want to impress upon, thank you, you and myself some lessons from the death of Moses. We can't look at the death of Moses without considering a little bit of his life. And you're probably looking at this picture and saying, well, who cares about a family tree? Uh, if it was my family tree, I'd care about it. Well, let's think about something we can learn from this family tree. If you consider that Abraham, the father of the Hebrew nation, he was the one the Lord called out from a foreign land, a, a land of uh, idols and so forth, and he called him to a, a land that he, uh, he didn't know about and... Uh, he'd never seen before. The Bible says he went out not knowing where he went. He called him out, but he gave him a promise. And that promise was that he would inherit his seed. His family would inherit a land. Now, when somebody tells you you're going to get something, generally you look for it, especially if God does. Do you know that Abraham didn't get it? Do you know his son Isaac didn't get it? Jacob, Jew, uh, uh, Levi, and so forth? They didn't get it until we get down to Moses. But God told Abraham ahead of time what would happen to his family and how they'd be delivered as slaves, serve under a tyrant for 400 years, and eventually they would be delivered. And Moses was that great savior, that great deliverer. He married a woman named Zipporah, had two children. Another thing we can notice about this genealogy, this family tree, there's not another Moses. In other words, when you look at, what does they call it, dynasty, dynasty, kings, they have sons, 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 sons. And they go all the way down because they're building a dynasty, building a family of kings. You don't see that with Moses. You see another. Moses could not, we're going to learn that today, Moses could not do what he wanted to do. He could not lead them into the promised land. There had to be another. Joshua. His name in Hebrew is Savior, only the Savior. The law came by Moses, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Only the Savior can lead us into a, not a, per, a temporal inheritance, but a permanent inheritance. Let's look at three phases of Moses' life. The Bible says that, and in, in, in we read it in our chapter, that Moses died at 120 years old. And, and, and we, can, we can divide it up. I think just simply three ways, 40 years learning to be something. What does that mean? Well, we learn when Stephen, uh, a, 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 a follower of the Lord Jesus, was standing before a, a, a great uh, tribunal. He began to tell the story that we're going to look at briefly today. And he said Moses, when he was born... He was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. That was the world power. And he was, he was a studied individual. He was a college grad. He was a university excel, whatever we want to call it. He was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. He was grooming himself to be somebody. One day it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. Remember, he's, a, he, he's one of the despised slaves. 
But it came into his heart because God put it there to deliver them. But he was going about it his own way. And that instance when he said, I will deliver you, and he killed the Egyptian, and the Pharaoh found out, Moses skedaddled out of where he could be something, and he learned to be nothing. Now, why do I say that? Well, we don't have time, but if we look back in the story of the life of Moses, <laughs> from that point where he left, he went into the desert and all he did was watch sheep. And it says in the opening chapter of Exodus chapter 3 that he kept his father-in-law's flock. He didn't keep his own flock. You know what we'd call him today? Oh, sorry. Loser. You waste, you, Moses, 40 years learning to be nothing. Why don't you do something with your life? Did you make a mistake, Moses? You could have been an influence in that world superpower for God. Can you imagine Moses? I sometimes think about this because, you know, we who know the Lord as Savior, sometimes life, it gets a little weary and we, we, we you know, we get, we, we, we get impatient and we get a little bit discouraged. The Bible encourages us to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Moses, 40 years. That's more than some of us in this room have lived, isn't it? Forty years learning to be nothing. Well, God was training him. But in the eyes of the world, right? The eyes of the operating system of the world, right? Make yourself a name. Climb the corporate ladder. Build yourself an empire. And then die. By the way, have we ever stopped to think the age-old question? Why are you here? What is life about? Then there was 40 years learning God is everything. Moses, Exodus chapter 3. He's keeping his father-in-law's flock. He sees a bush that's burning but not consumed. He goes near. I'll draw near and see this great sight. It was God in the bush. He was, the, the bush was burning but not consumed. The Almighty was there and he said, Moses, Moses. And he called him out. And for 40 more years, he proved, he learned that God is everything. Self. Nothing. He goes into the mighty superpower of the day. And he says, let my people go. And the superpower says, nothing doing. Nothing doing. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? You know, there's a lot of people in this world that say the same thing. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? But here, Moses, it wasn't easy. But he learned and he proved that God is everything because he led them out despite all of the trials, and we've looked at some of them in the past, that he had 
in leading them out. Thank you. So, we're not going to get far. I just want to make a few points about Moses. Chapter 34 opens, as we've heard, with Moses going up. Moses is used to going up to mountain to meet with God. He's done it a number of times. Speaking of 40, one time he was up there for 40 days. 40 days. The children of Israel down on the bottom of the mountain, they said, Where is this man that let us out? Let's make a God. They cast off their earrings and their nose rings and their ring rings and whatever they had, bling blings, and they made a little idol. And you know what they said? This is your God. Imagine a people led out under the mighty hand of God and they point to a golden cow. This is your God? Moses had been up a mountain many times. People lost their faith in him there, didn't they? They called a cow a God. Let's be careful what we call gods in this life, right? Anyway, Moses went up the mountain... And listen to this. The very promise that for over 400 years was promised to this people, we looked at in that genealogy. Moses, imagine the disappointment. He wanted to lead them into the promised land, but all he could do was view it with his eyes. You could see old Moses, 120 years old, looking out over the land, over the inheritance that that his people would get over a million strong. All he could do was view it with his eyes. And you know why? We looked at it a few weeks ago. Because it's a serious thing to disobey God. Even Moses, we heard it this morning somewhere, Moses had faults. He rebelled against the living God. And God said, because you've done that, you'll see it with your eyes, but you won't go over. And then... By the way, this event was foretold Moses. He knew what would happen. If we had time, we can look back at various passages that God told uh, Moses. I get Noah and Moses mixed up. God told Moses that he would go up, he would see the land, and then he would die. Just for instance, you can look. On my Bible, it's the same page, 32, the last end of 32. Get up into this mountain, Nebo, verse 50, and die. Can you imagine if that pronouncement came to you today? Get up and die. Would we be able, and I think we're going to see it when we get done here in a second, be like Moses, who could look back on a life. Yes, there was failure. But he believed the living God. And though he didn't get to see the promised land, we read it this morning in Matthew chapter 17. Who appeared with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration in the promised land? Moses. Hundreds and hundreds of years go by and there is Moses on the Mount in the promised land. 
Look at what it says, verse 5. Moses, the servant of the Lord, died according to the word of the Lord. And he, who? The Lord. God was his grave digger. He buried him in a valley in the land of Moab. And Moses was a no man knows that sepulcher, the, the place of his sepulcher, his grave, his tomb to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated or diminished. There was no... He was not, died not a feeble old man. No failure in his faculties. But he had the freshness and vigor of matured manhood. Well, there's m many things we could point out here, but I just want to go on to this last slide. <clears throat> and that comes to us in verse 10. There arose not a prophet like in Israel, like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Now, some have pointed out... <clears throat> that that little phrase there in verse number 10 could very well, it doesn't say it was his epitaph, but it could very well have been it. Because remember, the Lord buried him. The Lord told him he was going to die. There was no human witness up there. The Lord put him to sleep. He had all the vigor and freshness of manhood, and the Lord said, you'll die. Your, your time here on earth is over. But, that little phrase speaks volumes, and that's what we're going to emphasize here. That little phrase there that says that could, could have been an epitaph. Verse number 10, There arose not a prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. I just want to think about that for just a minute as we close. And tonight we'll cover a lot more. There's so much ground we can cover. But I believe this is very important. <clears throat> As we pointed out, there is a biblical operating system for life. And Moses found it. We trace our family tree all the way back, farther than Abraham, all the way to Adam. We're going to see that we departed from the living God. We turned our back. We disobeyed God. We went our own way. But praise the Lord, He loved us and by His grace brought us to Himself through the Lord Jesus. Now, everyone who knows Christ as Savior has the privilege to follow the example of Moses. How? I don't go up into mountains. I don't receive tables of law. Moses knew the Lord face to face. You say, well, wait a minute. I've never seen Jesus. How can I know the Lord face to face? The Scripture is very clear. The New Testament speaks about a man named Paul that says, I know the Lord. 
He says, I rejoice in the knowledge of my Lord and Savior. But a few verses later, he says, that I may know him. Knowledge of the Lord is much deeper than just an acquaintance. Let me give you an example. Would you believe me if I told you I know LeBron James? Oh, everybody knows him, right. But LeBron James wouldn't invite me to his house or his mansion for a tea party or lunch. I don't know him that well. LeBron James wouldn't put me in his will, making all that money for Cavaliers now. You see what I mean? It's possible to go through life and say, I know the Lord. This knowledge is knowledge not learned at college. It's experiential, right? I come day to day. Listen to what the scripture says. We all, 2 Corinthians 3.18, with unveiled face like Moses. We didn't cover it. Moses had to veil his face. Why? Because when he went up to see the, the Lord in his glory, his face shone. He came down. The children of Israel said, ah! He had to cover his face. Because the glory of the Lord shone in his face. You, if you're a believer, and I as a believer, can behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and be changed into that same image from glory to glory. You see, life is a lot more than just uh, my job and my possessions and my entertainment. He didn't get that way from beholding an LCD screen or plasma, or whatever it is today. He got that way because he beheld the glory of the Lord. <clears throat> Just a few weeks ago, you, you see some of our talented young people up here. One of them took to evangelizing the saints. Had the little track cards, you know. Going up to every one of them. Here, here. Here's for you. Different one each time. Mommy says to him, But, son, they're already believers. They already know the Lord. Son replies to mommy, Yes, mom, I know, but I want them to know him better. That's childlike faith, you see. Some of us say, oh, I know the Lord. Yeah, I can tell you a date when five years old. I, I, my Sunday school teacher led me to Christ, but there's no growth. There's no, there's no growing in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. There's no knowing Him face to face. Little fella says, I want them to know Him more. And so may that be the lesson for you and me. To put down the entertainment, to put down the everyday distractions of life, to put down the pleasures, to put down the whatever it is that distracts us from knowing the Lord and getting into this book. This book is not some dry, old, dusty book just for preachers. It's the guidebook of life. We all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed into that same image from glory to glory. The epitaph, if you will, 
If nothing else, it was the divine announcement of Moses. He knew the Lord face to face. May that be your portion and mine. As I go, as I leave this place, right? The wonderful thing about the Christian life, I am just as saved today as I was when I trusted Christ, and so are you, if you believed on the Lord Jesus. But He allows U-turns. We make mistakes. And He allows us, if before I'm living only for myself, I've paid no attention to the Lord's words to deny myself, to remember Him, and, the, and all these things. I've paid no attention. But He gives me the opportunity to say, Here am I, Lord. I hear Your voice. I see Your word. I am Thine, O Lord. I have heard Thy voice. And it told Thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. Moses knew the Lord face to face. Maybe you and I can learn from this death of this great servant of God who goes up into a mountain and dies. But his life was characterized characterized by knowing the Lord in a personal intimate way. May it be so for His name's sake. Our Father, we thank You this morning. There's so much more to learn and we look this evening in the will of our Lord to continuing this and much more to learn about Moses and his walk, his life on earth. Oh God, that we might follow such a pattern, not just of Moses, of course, but of the Lord Jesus as Paul the Apostle could say, follow me as I follow Christ. We're thankful for the privilege that we have in this life to please you, to do always those things that please you and recognize our failures, recognize our weakness, recognize our shortcomings and grow in grace in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. May it be so for His name's sake. May each child of God here this morning that knows the Savior be drawn nearer to Him. For those that do not know the Lord, that they might this morning pass out of darkness into His own marvelous light by receiving Him as their own personal Savior. We pray in His own name. Amen.